0: Radio Influence. .com.
1: Happy Fourth of July weekend, everybody. Welcome to the Forking Around Town podcast. This is your host, Tracy, and today's episode is going to be short and sweet, just like me. (laughs) No, on a serious note, I am really excited that we finally have another holiday weekend upon us. It's been a little bit and I'm ready for some rest and relaxation. I've been working really hard and so many events and new things going on. I still don't have my Instagram account back, which I don't think is going to happen, but I've been working really hard on my new account, and I'm just incredibly blessed that I've had so many opportunities being presented to me, and I can't wait to share with you guys some of the stuff I've been working on. But one thing I wanted to share with you guys, and this is kind of a little more personal, is that I have... Someone coming to town this weekend that I have not seen in over 20 years. So my friend David, David Halliday, you should look him up on Instagram. He is a fantastic musician. He plays saxophone and other types of horns and is definitely just one of my favorites of all time. So I haven't seen David in over 20 years. We met back in 1998 at the Hotel De Anza in downtown San Jose, which is about two or three blocks from the Shark Tank. I know everyone's in lightning mode right now, but I'm still a shark fan at heart, so bear with me. But anyway, I worked inside the Hadley Club Lounge, which was a beautiful place inside the hotel, and we always had live music. And one night, I wasn't in the mood to be at work. I mean, I was 23 and wanted to be going out and doing other things, and I just didn't want to be there. But when the band came on and I saw David, I was just blown away by his talent he really, really impressed me. And I'll never forget, I walked outside on the patio to you know, pick up some dishes from a table that had left. And he was out there and started talking to me. And I was like, holy shit, this cute guy's talking to me. Like, really? And I was so nervous. But we became friends and we exchanged numbers. And I have to say, David is one of those great influences in my life. He really exposed me to all different types of music. Now, at the time, he lived in Vacaville, which is it translates translates to Cowtown. So, Vacaville was about 90 miles from where I lived. But I would go up there to visit him, and we would drive into wine country. And we Sundays were the best. We would go to this place called the Rutherford Grill, which is one of my all time favorite spots. Watch the Niner game, drink Bloody Marys, and eat all the good foods, and just be surrounded by vineyards. It was perfect. But David also introduced me to so many different types of music. He's one of those people that's just like me. He likes everything, whether it's heavy metal, rap, rock, jazz, classical, he loves it all. And He took me for the first time to John Lee Hooker's Boom Boom Room in San Francisco, and I had such a great night. It was just awesome to be there and listen to the band. And he really got me interested in going out to see live music. You have to remember when I met him, I was, I think 23. So I wasn't really exposed to going out to all these, you know, clubs and things like that. Cause I was this, you know, innocent Catholic schoolgirl that lived with her parents until she was 22. But anyway, David really, really exposed me to so much culture and I, I have to forever thank him. So he's going to be in Tampa this weekend. He'll be performing at the convention center on the 4th of July. And we have lots of plans to go out and discover all the good food spots in Tampa. And it just brings me so much joy when I have the opportunity to take somebody from out of town and really show them around Tampa. And I don't know if you guys remember, I've shared this before, but I've lived here for almost 18 years. And when I first moved here, I didn't love it. I was incredibly homesick. I spent the first seven years of living in Tampa, wishing I was back home. And finally, after seven years, I said, you know what, Tracy, this is where you live. This is where you have children. You need to love it. And so that was how I got into blogging and social media. I started a website where I would showcase my favorite places in Tampa that remind me of my favorite spots back home. And that was it for me. And at the time, this was back in 2010, there weren't a lot of influencers. So I was very blessed. I met some incredible people. I went to some amazing events And now I say this all the time, but I feel like the whole influencer scene is just oversaturated. But anyway, again, that's kind of why I'm struggling with my new Instagram, because I feel like I'm one of the OGs of Tampa Bay. (laughs) But anyway, so I'm really excited to show David around. And I have to say that after all these years as much as I love California, Tampa is now my home. I've been so blessed to watch this city transform in front of my eyes from when I first got here until now. And I really believe wholeheartedly that Tampa has one of the best culinary scenes in the country. And I just wish more people could see it and just be exposed to it, which brings me to another topic I want to share with you guys. So I have a friend named Mark, and he lives in Las Vegas, and he is the publisher of My Vegas Magazine. He also has My Nashville Magazine, and he's getting ready to launch My Tampa Bay. Um, Mark is actually also going to be here this weekend, so we have a couple of meetings set up, and I'm excited to share that I will be one of the food editors for My Tampa Bay Magazine. And this is a great opportunity because I get to really showcase everything that I love about Tampa as far as food. And Mark is a great guy. I'm hoping to have him on my podcast because he's so blessed to be able to travel to so many different cities around the country. And he, you know, he knows good food when he sees it. So definitely keep an eye out for my Tampa Bay magazine. It will be launching soon, probably in about four months I'll definitely give you guys updates, but I would love to hear from you. If you have a certain restaurant that you feel should be showcased, please send me an email, Tracy at forkingaroundtown.com. I have another four months of research to do, and I'm getting really excited to do all of that. And writing for a magazine is one of the things I most love because I feel like it's a love letter to that place. And it gives me the opportunity to really express myself in writing, which is one of my biggest passions. But anyway, I will be definitely sharing all the food I'm eating this weekend, and I can't wait to see what you guys are all up to this weekend and for the 4th of July. I always love going to the beach and watching the fireworks, so I'll see if I can make that happen. I don't have any really like set plans as of now. I'm just kind of taking it by ear. I just really need a weekend of relaxation and just where I don't need to think about anything. Now... Just for fun, I wanted to share some interesting facts about Independence Day that I researched on an article from Good Housekeeping Magazine. Now, history is one of those subjects that I'm not always, it's not my thing. I took it in high school like I had to in college, but it was never really my thing. But lately, I've been getting into history lately. So here's some fun facts. So Thomas Jefferson was the main author of the Declaration of Independence. There were four others that were also on the committee, which included Roger Sherman, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, and Robert Livingston. I think I remember having a test on that back in eighth grade, but who knows? Now, another one is that John Hancock was the first person to sign the Declaration of Independence. So I always love that, you know, that saying, give me your John Hancock when you're asking for someone's signature. And it's actually pretty interesting because I honestly never knew this, that When he signed the document, he signed it front and center, and it was the largest signature on the document. Many say it was because he was the president of of Congress at the time. But anyway, I think that's kind of cool when people say, put your John Hancock. And whenever I hear that, I always just think of signing my name as big as I can. Kind of fun. Another interesting fact is that Independence Day should have been celebrated on July 2nd, 1776. So even though the document was dated July 4th, Congress actually voted for independence from Great Britain two days prior on July 2nd, 1776. And the document was not signed by everyone until August 2nd of 1776. See, that is something that I do not remember from taking history in high school or college. Um, Another thing that I love, which kind of coincides with everyone celebrating and eating and watching fireworks, is that John Adams wrote a letter to his wife about how memorable Independence Day would be in American history. In his letter to his wife, he said this day should be celebrated with parades, bonfires, and fireworks. I thought that was pretty cool. And it is kind of funny how the tradition has carried over. So also the Pennsylvania Evening Post was the first newspaper to print the declaration. It came out in the newspaper on July 6th 1776 for everyone to see. And there was a local printer named John Dunlap who produced copies of the declarations manuscript. I thought that's pretty cool. I also found it interesting that three presidents that signed the declaration of independence actually passed away on July 4th. John Adams and Thomas Jefferson both died July 4th, 1826, which was the 50th anniversary of the country's independence James Monroe then died five years later on July 4th, 1831. I honestly never knew that. Now, the Liberty Bell, whenever I think of that, I always think of Rocky because that's one of my favorite movies of all time. But I never really knew this. The Liberty Bell rings 13 times every Independence Day to honor the 13 original saints. So descendants of people who signed the Declaration of Independence tap the bell located in Philadelphia at 2 p.m. Eastern time every single Fourth of July. Very cool part of our history. I never knew that. Did you also know that Independence Day was once celebrated on July 5th? So the holiday fell on a Sunday in 1779. So the country celebrated on July 5th instead. I still like keeping it traditional and celebrating on the 4th. And I think it's cool that Monday the 5th, a lot of people are actually taking it as a holiday. So I think that's great. We all need extra time to kind of get over all of our barbecue and food hangovers. So the very first 4th of July fireworks show took place in Philadelphia in 1777. So this is another interesting thing that I didn't know. So they had fireworks, cannons, and bells that went off to honor the 13 original states. Just like, you know, today's celebrations, they even had a dinner and a parade for the Declaration of Independence's first anniversary. I really love that part of history. So... Back in 1778, on July 4th, U.S. soldiers got a special treat on the 4th of July. George Washington helped troops celebrate by allowing them a double ration of rum. (laughs) And this is according to live science. I didn't know that they all drank rum back in those days, but that's interesting. And now fireworks are something I like watching them, but I don't like touching them. And I get frustrated every year on New Year's Eve and 4th of July because my poor dog cannot stand fireworks and it keeps them up all night. But I did not know this, that Americans spend over a billion dollars on fireworks every year. They can keep doing that. It's not my thing. I, again, I love to watch fireworks if I'm at a, like on a boat or at the beach, but I don't want to be anywhere near them. I just cannot even go near a firework. They terrify me. I've heard too many crazy stories of things happening to people. But anyway, that's just kind of a a couple little fun facts I thought I would share with you guys. And again, I hope you stay safe, eat lots of good food, you know, whatever you guys are, are feeling like cooking, I would love to hear from you. And I do want to ask this question. If you guys have been watching this trend of putting mustard on watermelon slices, I've seen it. I haven't tried it. I do want to try it just to say that I did. But I've been watching a lot of videos on TikTok and Instagram of everyone doing the watermelon mustard challenge, and it just does not look appealing to me. So I'm going to try it with like a Dijon mustard because that's what I like. So we'll see what happens. I hope you guys have an amazing weekend, and I will be back next Friday with another super fresh episode. And don't forget, you can always find my podcast every Friday on radioinfluence.com or wherever else you like to go to enjoy your favorite podcasts. Happy 4th, everyone.
0: This is A Dark to Light with Frank and Bean's Quick Fix on Radio Influence.
1: All right, so Frank and I are joined uh, again by Jovan Hutton-Pulitzer. You've got a ton of stuff that you want to talk about, um, mainly centering around around Michigan.
0: We can't afford Michigan to keep on using the term, we're going to do a forensic audit, when they know it's not. Because the moment Michigan, if they approved to look at some infractions again, they would hijack back that definition, which is a left packet, hijack the definition, and go back to fractions. And then those other states, we would never ever have a hope of finding what was wrong because we wouldn't be looking at every ballot because they will all take the least path of resistance. And that's the problem in Michigan. The person consulting this rep was a former senator twice, and they always take the path of least resistance. So, the law that kills all this is the following. When Attorney Barr came in and said, We're not going to hire a special prosecutor because we've looked at the evidence and we do not believe there is enough evidence that would make a material outcome in the election. Now, here's what that means in non political speak if Michigan was lost by 155,000 votes, and if a group of us patriots on our own investigated and we found 150,000 bad votes without doing an audit, and we went into their secretary of state or attorney generals and says, Look at all this, we want an audit to look at everything, they would be able to say by law, Look, we're sorry that, you know, but you didn't find enough to absolutely prove there was a problem, so screw you, hit the road. See, they put the burden of proof on the people or the people that are looking for the bad stuff, but without access. So if you don't walk in and show 155,002, you don't get a look. And so that's what I was telling them. You have to understand how these words work. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.